the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to the program. It's Wednesday. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas, and this is The Word to Stand On for Life, a program dedicated to taking your phone calls and answering your Bible questions, questions about stuff going on in your life, anything and everything that's on your heart. You need only to call us. You can dial 210-340-9585. If you're outside the local San Antonio area, you can call toll-free at 877-630-KSLR, numerically at 630-5757. You can email questions by emailing questions at calvarysa.com, or you can use our free Calvary Chapel mobile app. And remember, if you're driving in your car, the safest way to call is to use the free KSLR mobile app. Hit the Call Now banner at the top of the screen, and you will be connected directly to our studio producer. Hey, we got some stuff going on here to, today at the church. Tonight, rather. Tonight, I'm going to be teaching uh, 1 Kings chapter 17. And all I'm going to get is maybe the first seven and a half verses. And we're going to use this as an introduction into one of the most uh, significant but also interesting Bible characters uh, in, in all of the scriptures. Uh, uh, Elijah is an absolute monster, the way he was used by God. And he's just an interesting person, and especially insofar as uh, James, the Lord's half-brother, said that Elijah was a man just like us. Just like us. That means he was an ordinary guy, used to do extraordinary things, and that is something that a lot of us, we don't think God could ever use us to do anything big or extraordinary because, well, we're just normal, everyday people. Well, so was Elijah. And this is going to be an exciting character study for the next few weeks uh, in our First King study. And uh, you can watch it at calvarysa.com. We'll have uh, the Bible studies up on our website um, uh, the following morning. But try to be here if you can at all, or try to watch it live. I really think uh, the Lord's been sort of poking me in the chest uh, in a good way in the last few uh, couple of weeks as we've gotten closer to uh, Elijah, like he really wants to do something special in this Bible study. Also, of course, Paula will be uh, live in studio with me tomorrow, and I think Paula has a surprise lined up for you. Uh, I think uh, three or four of the young women who uh, were instrumental in getting the father-daughter dance, I think they're going to be on the program with Paula tomorrow. So uh, I'll just kind of sit around and enjoy what's what's going on. But all of that is tomorrow here on The Word to Stand On for Life. Well, let me get to some questions as we wait any phone calls. Um, this first one is from Chip from our email inbox. And he says, when verses, when, when Psalms 1-5 refers to stand in the judgment, what judgment are we talking about? Is this the final judgment? 
uh, because one way it reads, it sounds like they would not even make it to that judgment, or does it mean that nothing they will do will be righteous enough for them uh, to be able to stand in God's presence? Great question, Chip. Let me read the psalm for the audience. It says, Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. I think there are some better translations out there. The idea isn't that they're not going to make it to the judgment. You're right. This is the final judgment. So the idea here is that they won't prevail in the judgment, that they will be judged um, because um, their sins are not covered uh, by the blood of Jesus Christ. So that's what the psalmist is referring to when he says they will uh, to stand in the judgment. It doesn't mean that they're, they won't get it to the judgment, but it means that they are going to be judged. You know, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and Galatians chapter 5 uh, talks about lifestyles of sin. And it lists all kinds of different sins. And it says it concludes with people who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And those are the very same people that the psalmist is referring to in uh, Psalm 1 verse 5. Um, They'll get to the judgment. Everybody's going to stand before the the Lord on the great white throne judgment. Um, But remember, every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord, is God, to the glory of God the Father. So that's what it means, Chip, and I appreciate the question more than you know. Thank you very, very much. Here is another question. This is a tough one for me. It's anonymous from our email inbox. Pastor Ron, how do I talk to my son, he's 13, about all the sin going on in the world? I heard you say that we are to teach personal holiness, but how do we make sure our kids do not fall into the temptation all around them? I'm greatly worried about my son and the decisions he will make. His middle school is filled with so much sin. The church we are in now doesn't teach repentance or being born again to the middle schoolers. I know yours does because I've heard your middle school pastor teach. Do I pull him out of our current group even though he likes it? Uh, My wife and I have been talking for a while about it. What do you think? Um, Anonymous, this is is so heartbreaking to me as a pastor uh, from a lot of uh, perspectives. But, but let me first say, I, 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 the pain and the, the fear that parents go through to see what your children are exposed to is absolutely overwhelming. Absolutely overwhelming. So here's the suggestion, and please, if this is too blunt for you, um, forgive me in advance. Get your kid out of that church instantly. Middle schoolers, we, we kind of view our middle school uh, ministry, our, our junior high school ministry, as a foundation for these kids moving forward. This is when they're impressionable. This is when their bodies are changing. This is when they're being exposed to things that, that probably you and I, certainly I'm older than you are, but um, um, you know we, we weren't exposed to these kind of things as a kid. We didn't have the availability of pornography on our cell phones. We didn't have kids um, sending naked pictures to each other or, or, or being overtly sexual uh, in text messages or Instagrams or any of the other apps that you can think about. Um, so um, he needs to know who Jesus is. And this is the way to be proactive. Don't talk to him about personal holiness. Talk to him about Jesus. Introduce him to Jesus. Now, obviously, you're doing the right things. You're taking him to church, and your heart is right for the before the Lord. But this is one of the things where moms and dads, uh, with their children, they've got to be proactive in home Bible studies. They've got to be proactive in praying for one another. They've got to talk about why these things matter. Um, you know, these kids are being exposed to things. The Song of Solomon, um, one of the real treasures that gets ignored in our Bibles, twice mentions do not awaken desires before it's time. Children 13 years of age are not psychologically ready for this onslaught of sexual information that they're getting. They're not ready. Now, we live in a world that's exposing kids much, much younger, five-year-olds and six-years-olds. To, to sexual content, and they're not ready, but but 13-year-olds aren't either. And so he needs to be introduced to Jesus. 
And what you do is you're praying for him, as you're teaching the Bible, you want to lead him to a decision. That doesn't mean you're cramming Jesus down his throat. What that means is that you're talking to him about life here on earth leading to eternity. You're talking about pleasing the one who died for his sins. We're talking about the only way that he's going to get to heaven. And to have your son, this is something that for life man don't understand. It's almost like we parents are, are so brainwashed that we're letting our children make decisions about eternity instead of as their parents making the decisions for them. And so, Anonymous, get him out of that church instantly. It doesn't matter whether he likes it or not. Who wouldn't like a church that doesn't tell people that they have to stop sinning? Who who wouldn't like a church that doesn't um, talk about holiness and about pleasing God and about what sin is and isn't and the answers for sin. Uh, if they want to go to a club, I mean, that's just a, a, a social club. But but this is where it really needs to, to be emphasized, the need to get right with God, to turn from sin and accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and begin living a new life in Christ. And these kids that are going to churches, I can't imagine being the pastor of one of those churches and being accountable for their souls and at the same time not doing what God's called me to do. We start teaching our kids here from nursery school on Sundays about Jesus. It's the Word. When they're in small uh, the, the early grades, they're getting verse-by-verse verse teaching. It's different than what I do. I bore kids to death, but, but, but our people are gifted to be able to do that. So you need to get them in a church where they're going to be told the truth. There's a lot of good churches. I have no idea what part of town that you live in, but there are a lot of good churches that will teach your children what they need to know. And these formative years, especially the middle school, as I said earlier, we consider these so important. These are going to be our high school youth, the high school youth, because we also have a free school. The high school youth uh, have such a profound influence on the younger kids. We actually have a program here at our school where we measure up or or, uh, match up seniors with kindergartners, and they minister to them. And, and the, the kids look up to the older kids, and we're creating those kids in junior high school. So it's really important. Please, please, please get him out of that church and um, just sit down and tell him why. You live in a world where boys can think they're girls, and it's wrong to tell them that that's wrong. Girls can claim to be boys. The single easiest decision, the single easiest conclusion to come to in the world that we live in, and it's a conclusion regarding their identity, and they're being encouraged to sin. Their sexuality has no business being explored. Boys going through puberty don't need any help pursuing wickedness. Let me also say, and you didn't ask this, and so so let me just make this not personal to you, anonymous, but for everybody. Uh, your thirteen year old, thirteen year olds, junior high schoolers, and, and I go even farther than this, but I'll just keep it to this demographic. Junior high schoolers have no business with their own phones. We're we're giving them the information they need to be destroyed by an enemy who's bent on destroying them. And I understand your fear. Let me say one other thing. Uh, I can no longer be still when it comes to kids, Christian kids being in public school. And I've never been like this in all of the years. We've had a school now. This is our 22nd year. But I've never been one to say all all kids should be in private school. I've never been a huge fan of homeschool. And the reason for that is most parents aren't gifted teachers. But now, the way public school 
is dealing with these issues of sexuality, it's no longer safe for your child to be in a public school. Period. As a, as a father, you and your wife, as their mother, um, boy, the consequences are so extreme. So pray for your son. Make sure he's included in Bible studies. It doesn't matter if he wants to be or not. This is what the family does. Let your son see that the relationship you and your wife have with Jesus is so attractive that he wouldn't want anything else. And then let the Holy Spirit go to work on his heart. You do your part. And I promise you the Holy Spirit will do your heart. I'm interested how you, if you you heard our middle school pastor teach, you heard him on a, um, on our website or something. But uh, believe me, uh, Pastor Chris is, um, he's really direct with the kids. That's what they need. Um, and, and he does a wonderful job. So thanks for the question. My heart hurts with you and for you. Um, your son is a precious gift from God who needs to be protected. Thank you for sending the question in. 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Here's a question from Rudy. He said, what's right, charismatic churches or those who don't believe in the gifts being for today? Um, Rudy, uh, uh, I always say that the truth is always in the balance. Now, we are a charismatic church. We believe that the gifts of the Spirit are for today. Um, we believe that those gifts are to be used uh, as prescribed in the Word of God. Uh, and I think so often uh, the charismatic churches get carried away and they've got all kinds of unbiblical, ungodly stuff. And what we see is counterfeit gifts of the Spirit um, uh, all the time. And then the, on the other extreme, we see the people who say, no, the gifts cease with the closing of the canon of Scripture. And there's no biblical warrant for that at all. The extremes are unhealthy and out of balance, Rudy. So uh, the gifts of the Spirit are for today. Um, not the sign gifts that Jesus demonstrated. It, it you know, clearly God still heals sometimes. But but Jesus, remember, his miracles and signs were pointing to his ministry, validating his ministry. And we don't need that anymore. The Holy Spirit's been uh, loose in this world for 2,000 years. And uh, all we need to do is do things the way the Bible says to do them. So we are a charismatic church. Um, to believe that, that it's called cessationism, to believe that the gifts of the Spirit have ceased uh, is certainly not right. And the charismatic churches that are over the top with all this craziness, uh, they're not right. But the truth is, right in the middle, they're the gifts of the Spirit. Use them according to the Word of God, and God will always be glorified, Rudy. And that's what the gifts have been left with us to be all about. Good question. Thank you very, very much. Here's a question from Alex. He says, can a Christian's name be blotted out of the book of life? Uh, Alex, the answer is no. Uh, and people get this from, from Revelation's letter to Philadelphia, I think. And uh, it says, I think it's chapter 3, verse 5, where it says, and I will in no wise blot out your names from my book. And that's the Lamb's Book of Life. And so the assumption is made, we're deductive in our logic skills, so the, the assumption is made that, well, well, that means some names are blotted out of the Book of Life. That's not what it says at all. That is one of the greatest eternal security verses in all the Scripture. Uh, he didn't say, I'll think about blotting your name out. He said, I will in no ways, I will never. It's a very, very strong um, word in the Greek. And and it's it's sing, God singly saying you cannot lose what I gave you what I've guaranteed, so no, Alex, a Christian's name cannot ever be blotted out of the Lamb's Book of Life. 
Once you're born again, Jesus comes to live in your heart. The Holy Spirit is given to us as a deposit. Ephesians 1.13 says, guaranteeing our inheritance. That guarantee comes from God. Then your name is always in there. And, you know, there are some theologies that, that just are, are, are so t- sad that it's almost like, okay, well, God writes it in vanishing ink or something because some people lose it. No, you can't lose it. If you're really a believer... Your name is written in stone. Better than that, it's written by the finger of Jesus Christ. And I think we need to remember that. What he gives, no man can take away. In the Gospel of John, he says, um, uh, I have you in my hands and no one can snatch you or pluck you out of my hands. And then he says, and the Father who's greater than I has you in his hands and no one can snatch you out of his hands. So a Christian's name will never be blotted out. We can't lose what we've we've been given freely by grace, unmerited favor. Now, one more thing, Alex. Usually this question comes up because we know, all of us know a lot of people who said they were Christians who are no longer following Jesus, and they've turned away and rebelled completely against God. And so the assumption is, well, I know they were a Christian, but what happened to them? Maybe they lost their salvation. No, their name was never written in the book. God knows our hearts. Galatians says he cannot be mocked or deceived. He knows those who are his. And all we have to do, Alex, is hold on to that for dear life. Thank you very, very much. Here is a question from Teddy. He says, I heard a message you did recently where you said that God told you the power to heal was present on that particular day. Is that biblical? And did anyone get healed? Now, Teddy, I don't know exactly when you were listening to the message. This happens occasionally. Uh, It certainly doesn't happen often. Um, I'm going to guess probably it happens two or three times a year, um, especially on Friday nights uh, here at Calvary Chapel. We close our services. We have the people, our pastors and their wives, and the people in the pastor's discipleship class. We have them come up and spread across the front, and people come up for prayer. And there are times when the Lord will tell me that there's power to heal. Uh, Recently, on a Sunday, um, I, I don't know, a couple, three weeks ago, um, I was in the middle of my first message in, in the first service. We do three services here. And uh, it was almost distracting because the Lord was letting me know that there was power to heal there today. And it was Jesus who was was taking people outside just to be alone with them, to heal them in the, our Gospel of Mark studies. And so um, um, I told that first service, and sometimes it's only for one service, but he reinforced that. Let me say this. Every time the Lord has told me that there's power to heal, there are some people who've been healed. Now, I always tie it in, Teddy, with the obligation. If God is going to give your body strength today, if you've got some problems, he's going to give your body strength today, then what, what you need to do is you need to commit your body to, to being his that you're going to use the strength that he gave you to be obedient. You're going to use the strength that he gave you to honor him by, by, by sharing your faith with people, by, by walking away from sin and temptation and walking toward Jesus. And if we um, uh, understand that, then um, um, some people will say yes. Uh, I can tell you very specifically the last two times, and that's all the... the distance my brain goes back but the last two times um, several people have come up to me and and said they were healed Um, one of them went to their doctor and the doctor didn't know uh, what happened again it's nothing that I did it's very quiet and it's very um, um, very private so there's no show here and yet there's always people that get saved. And our church is pretty good about coming to us and telling us whether or not that happens. So um, regardless of whether anybody gets healed or not, I've got to do what the Spirit of the Lord is telling me to do. And in those cases, you asked, is it biblical? The answer to that question is, of course, it's biblical. There were times when Jesus had the power to heal. There were times when he couldn't heal because of unbelief. Uh, the Apostle Paul 
um, um, healed occasionally, um, but but there was a lot of times that he didn't heal. So uh, I think this is one of the things that we got to wait on the spirit to determine. And yes, we've had people healed um, every single time that the Lord has spoken to my heart. Uh, I've had some people also. Now let me also say, Teddy, if I don't know, uh, I don't know you. I don't know the name. Um, so if you've watched any of our services, uh, as it's apparent that you have, I have, I'm visually impaired. I can't see. And, and, um, um, I, I've had so many people praying for me and every time the Lord says there's power to heal, I'm praying and, and God knows my body's his, I'll, if he gives me the ability to see again, I'll, I'll use that and declare his name everywhere. I do that anyway. Um, but the Lord has spoken to my heart and said that his grace is sufficient. He's He's let me know that short of a, a miraculous change of mind and heart, um, he's not going to heal me of this, that I'm okay this way. And so um, I'm one of those that, that faithfully asks to be healed every time. And uh, so far that hasn't happened for me, but it's happened for some. Thanks, Teddy. I appreciate the question. We've got 30 minutes left in the Wednesday show, 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. This is the word to stand up for life. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh. I will be back in two minutes. back to the word to stand on for life we're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll free 877-630-KSLR now here's pastor ron arbaugh welcome back to the second half of our program 340-9585 for your live calls and questions i was just reminded that today is israel's 74th birthday it was May 4th, 1948, when the world and God sovereignly pulling the strings behind the scenes, um, Israel was permitted to return as a nation to their homeland, uh, much to the chagrin of the rest of the world. But the United States was used powerfully by God to, to make this happen. It was almost as though the Holocaust, as horrible as it was, sort of guilted the rest of the people in the world, the nations of the world, into permitting this to happen. Uh, David Ben-Gurion was the first prime minister of Israel, and it was the, the, the most remarkable of fulfilled prophecies, I think, um, uh, out of every prophecy, the most improbable uh, after more than 1,900 years away from their homeland. This is unprecedented in human history. Israel... Uh, the dry bones coming to life again of Jeremiah. Uh, Israel became a nation again. And I can just see the smile of God. Um, we who are believers need to be supporters of Israel. It doesn't mean that the people there are Christians. They're not, at least by and large. Um, it doesn't mean that they're better than other people in the Middle East. It just means that our Jesus is the one who gave them that land. It's our Jesus who allowed them to return to their land. And uh, nobody can do anything about it. They're there because God decreed that they would be there. 74 years ago, I told our producer when I saw this question came up, or the comment came up, I said, thank God Israel's older than I am. <laughs> but uh, yes, today is Israel's birthday. That is a miracle. Our Bible studies this past Sunday, the religious leaders, the Pharisees and the Sadducees come together in their hatred for Jesus, demanding a miraculous sign. Well, for everybody out there who's looking for proof that Jesus is God, they want to know, well, well how can I know for sure? All you got to do is look at Israel. That is the most miraculous resurrection in the history of the world. So, happy birthday, Israel, um, we could be there soon. Jesus is coming soon. 
Here's a question from our mobile app, Anonymously. Pastor Ron, what are your thoughts about our country's inflation and its effect on your congregation? How does it affect your church and employees? Uh, anonymous, it affects, inflation affects us like it affects everybody else. You know, our money, um, our payroll. I have a lot of people on payroll here. We got, because we have the free school and Malta Medical, uh, Mana House, we've got, uh, um, I think, 29 or 30 people on payroll, and honestly, the money doesn't go as far as it used to. Um, I was thinking yesterday. I heard a joke. Somebody said, "You know, have you been to the the, the gas station? They have a whole new division of the gas station." And and I, I said, "Well, what's the new division?" Well, yeah, now gas stations have loan officers. That's how expensive things things are getting. So this is just one of those cycles that we're going through. This one we didn't have to go through. This was a man-made inflation crisis. But, uh, I, and I, you know, because I'm visually impaired, I don't go to grocery stores. I don't know how much things cost. I can see the gas prices when I go by a gas station, but I hardly look. So I don't know how much stuff costs. But Paula tells me when she goes to the store, meat's twice as much, bread's twice as much. Not only that, but, but the supplies are, are cut off. Uh, so, so inflation is affecting everyone, and it affects Christians and non-Christians alike. Uh, I don't know what we expected, and I don't want to get political here, but, but when you make money cheap, when you give it away, uh, inflation is what's going to follow. When money loses value, then it takes more of it to buy the same amount of stuff. I heard today, or I didn't hear, I read that the Fed raised interest prices again, um, and I don't know what value that's going to have uh, other than it's going to uh, or it's already kind of spurred Wall Street, but that's temporary. Um, so inflation is horrible. Um, our our dollar isn't going nearly as far. Regardless, regarding how it's affected our congregation or our church, uh, it hasn't affected our church's giving at all. Um, our people are taught to trust God. God knows all about these uh, highs and lows, the ups and downs. Uh, so I don't think uh, the, the, the mature believers in our church are saying, well, you know, I better hold on to some more because inflation's getting. I think they give because that's what God said to do, because they love him. And they know that their generosity will be blessed by the Lord. So it hasn't affected us at all. Uh, it has obviously had an effect on employees. It's not like we can afford to give them big raises. I would love to be able to do that, by the way. You can all pray that for me. But uh, it's just that their money doesn't go as far uh, as it once did. So I, I hope that answers your question. But uh, this is another one of those areas where we've really got to trust in God. Jake says, Oops, I got a phone call. Hold on, let me do this before I get to Jake. Victor on line one. Victor, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Yes, sir. Uh, good afternoon. I had a question about Hi, uh, a certain... Yes, sir. Uh, I had a certain question about a certain book uh, that was written by an author's uh, Lutheran pastor back in the late 1800s, early 1900s. His last name is Seis, S-E-I-S, I believe it is. He wrote a book, and it's supposedly, uh, I don't even know if it's still in print, but it's about the gospel in the stars. I don't know if you've ever familiar with that book, and if, if you are, if you've read it, what's you, what your opinion of it? Yeah, I've, I've not read that vo- book, Victor, but there there was a, uh, a book that came out uh, from a, a guy with Calvary Chapel Connections who's no longer here. He, he went to be with the Lord. Uh, his name was Chuck Missler, and he had a... Uh, a book about the gospel being declared in the stars. And uh, I thought, frankly, that was way out there then, and I think it still is. So if it's anything like that, uh, I wouldn't put any any um, uh, stock in it whatsoever. Um, you know, God's not sending us little secret messages everywhere uh, to demonstrate that I'm really—and that was sort of the emphasis— We'll, we'll we'll write this book. Here's the gospel in the stars. That will convince everybody that Jesus is God. All we need to know, we look at the evidence, historical evidence, 
and then look at the empty tomb, and we don't need any more proof that Jesus is God. So I don't put any stock in that at all, Victor. I think um, especially maybe 20 years or so ago, uh, the church went through a time where there was all these uh, mystical, supernatural-type explanations about things, Bible codes and the like, and none of it uh, is necessary and none of it is true. So I, I just don't put any stock in it at all. I will look that one up uh, for the program, uh, not tomorrow because Paula will be here, but on Friday, and uh, my producer's writing the name down, and I'll look it up to, to give you a more uh, accurate review, I think. Thank you, Victor. Appreciate it very, very much. You know, one of the things for me, I was, uh, as a as a new believer, uh, with no foundation, I was always looking for for the mysticism in the Bible. I, for some reason, it gave me chill bumps, and I just thought, well, those people have some special knowledge or special in with God, and it's simply not true. It's like Elijah being told, don't look for the voice of God in the, in the earthquake or in the fire uh, or in the thunder, but but... Just listen for God's still small voice. God's not hiding anything from any of us. He's not sending special messages. We have his word. Once and for all delivered to the saints. Here is a question from Jake. He said, I feel called to disciple other Christian men, especially young men. What advice would you give me? Jake, the first piece of advice would be to tread very, very carefully. Um, When we disciple people, God loves those people very, very much, and he is very jealous for them. So wisdom number one, make sure your heart is right. Make sure your motives are right. I say often that no human being has the right to mess with somebody else's life. And I've seen too many people get discipling drunk and they get to where they have uh, some some um, sway in, in a young person's life and they take advantage of it. They like being looked up to. They like being asked for counsel. So that's the first thing. Just tread very carefully. Always, always, always examine your, your heart to determine motive. Second, um, Jake, you need to devour the Word of God. You need to devour the Word of God because when you're discipling people, uh, the only thing you ought to be giving them is God's Word. Not your opinions, not your political opinions, not what you feel, but this is the Word. And God is going to hold you accountable for that. So it's the Word, the Word, the Word. Uh, when I've had people in the past tell me things like this, I feel called to disciple, I feel t- called to teach, and I'll ask them, okay, so tell me about your relationship with your Bible. And it's sort of casual, or um, they they get to it when they can, uh, but they're not consistent. Um, if If you're not in the Word consistently, if you're not being changed personally by the Word, then God hasn't called you to disciple young men simply because you have nothing to share with them. You've got to be in the Word. You also need to be sure that your life is lived in such a way that you can, along with the Apostle Paul, say, follow me as I follow Christ. That's really important. You know, you can't be one of these guys that knows a lot but doesn't live what you know. So you've got to be able to say, follow me as I follow Christ. You know, Jake, when, when uh, I've taught this before, people say, well, well, who could be arrogant enough to say, follow me as I follow Christ? Every Christian ought to be able to say that. Every one of us ought to be able to say to the people in our life, look, you may not like what I'm saying. You may not like the choices I made, but you can watch my life and you're going to see Jesus. We ought to be able, every one of us, to say that. And so you've got to be committed to personal holiness. It means you've got to be committed to an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. It means you've got to be committed to walking by faith rather than by sight. It means that you're taking chances with Jesus. You're you're kind of out there on that, I like to call it a faith ledge, where half the time you're scared to death, but you know you're going to be in for something exciting because you're where Jesus has led you. So those are the things that you've got to be able to do if, in fact, you're called to disciple other Christian men. So, Jake, I hope that 
that helps. Now, non-specific to Jake, I think this is something for all of us to consider. Um, when we have the ability to influence someone, we only should use our influence to lead them to Jesus. It shouldn't be about the relationship you have with them. It shouldn't be that you're their mentor. Um, you take them to Jesus. And you constantly do that. I've never been a fan of what I call uh, discipling groups, you know, where where um, um, men get together and they say, well, you know, i got a problem with pornography. And so uh, I want you guys to hold me accountable. Uh, if somebody's not going to be accountable to Jesus who died for their sins, they're not going to be accountable to other humans. And usually you end up losing a friendship or a relationship um, uh, when when that person sort of goes sideways, um, they're they're embarrassed, so they avoid you or they start lying to you. Um, lead them to Jesus. That's what discipling really is. Teaching them to obey. Jesus said everything that I've commanded you. So, Jake, I hope that helps. Thank you very much for the question. Brenda says, if I said bad things about someone, will God hear my prayers? If I haven't apologized, Brenda, no, he won't hear your prayers because you have unrepentant sin. Saying bad things about people, even if they're true, saying bad things about people, you're, you're, you're actually saying bad things about somebody for whom Jesus died, somebody that he loves. So on what basis would we ask God to do anything for us? If we have no relationship, you see, the key to answered prayer is a relationship with Jesus. Jesus said, if you abide in me, I will abide in you. And when we're talking badly about other people, Brenda, then we're, we're simply um, not abiding in Christ. So here's the thing. Apologize first to God. Be like David. Against thee and thee only have I sinned, O God. Lord, I know that I said bad things about this person. And I really don't know the truth about him, but I know the truth about me. I was jealous or I was angry, but but I was in sin. And we need to look in at our own sin. You know, when Paul says to, to examine your heart daily to see if you're in the faith, he never once says, oh, and examine the hearts of others. It's examine your heart. And so, Brenda, here's what I think is happening. You're asking God why your prayers aren't being answered. And the Holy Spirit is convicting you of this. So here's your response. Jesus, forgive me. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. And empower me, Jesus, so that I never sin like this again. And then you can say, with your help, Lord, I vow never to speak ill of another human being again. And Brenda, it's so easy. Now, I know we have bad habits and we're around people that want to talk about other people who aren't there all the time. But simply purpose in your heart that not only am I not going to say anything bad about somebody, I'm not going to listen if somebody else starts to say something bad about someone. And here's a simple rule. If the person that you're speaking about or being spoken to about isn't there and the conversation's not all positive, well, that's when it's time simply to bow out of that conversation altogether and take a stand for righteousness and tell somebody why you're bowing out. And i got to leave now because Jesus wouldn't be pleased if I'm listening to somebody talk about somebody that he loves in this way. So, Brenda, ask God to forgive you. Tell, you, tell him you're sorry. Don't let the devil condemn you. This is exactly the place that the Holy Spirit has brought you. So just tell him, I'm really sorry, and I don't want to do it again. Now, one final thought, Brenda, and this is for everybody in the audience. You know, we have such a bad habit. James says, out of the same mouth comes blessings and cursings. And James, almost in frustration, says, brothers, this should not be. So here's the thing. Say, Lord, before I ever say anything about somebody that's bad, then... Help me to catch it so it never comes out of my lips. And that way, the only one you'll be embarrassed in front of because you want to say something bad is Jesus. Nobody else will know. 
And God will protect your witness, and he will eventually work on your heart. One final thing. I know I said that was the final thing, but one final thing. If there's somebody that you think bad things about or you want to say bad things about, pray for them. Pray for them, and God will change your heart toward them. Good question. Thank you, Brenda. Let's go to a phone call. We've got Alan on line one from San Antonio. Alan, thank you for holding. You're on the air. Hi, Pastor Ron. How are you? Good, Alan. How are you? Oh, I've just been struggling with my health. Uh, when I was listening to your show, I wanted to check in with you. Good. Good. I, What's I up? was wondering if you can still pray for me. Sure. For, just for your health, Alan, or anything else? For my health. Uh, yeah, I've been struggling with that. And I had a question as well, but... Uh, Okay. You know, I you were talking about somebody about leading people to Christ, and so um, mm-hmm. I was. Um, I have a friend of mine. I led him to Christ, and I've known him about twenty five years. And um, nobody told me, but I knew in my heart that I have to stick with. If I lead somebody to Christ, I have to stick with them forever. Because you even said that Christ always gives us a second chance all the time, and He always will give you mm-hmm. another chance if you ask for it. So um, I kind of know the answer to the question, and I think it's yes, but uh, isn't it true we lead anybody to Christ? Uh, we have to stick with them uh, for as long as, you know, that, as long as they'll stick with Christ. Um, would you say that's true? Yeah, let me, let me pray for you first, Alan, then I'll take some time to answer the question. Jesus, we lift up our friend Alan to you, and you alone, Lord, you and Alan alone know how much he struggled You know how his heart desires to serve you. Oh, Lord, two things I ask. I ask that you touch my friend and heal him. Give his body strength. And then, Lord, I pray that he will use that strength for your glory and your glory alone. As he shares his faith, as he ministers to those that are hurting. And, Lord, you've given him, through his experience of physical problems, You've given him a compassionate heart for others who are suffering. So give him a ministry of comforting others with the comfort that he has received from God. Bless him, Lord. Make sure he's well for your glory alone. Amen. Alan, I'll keep praying for you. Thank you for letting us know how you're doing. Um, You know, um, um, no, we, we don't have to stay with somebody. I'm not exactly sure, Alan, what you mean by that. It means that we got to pray for them. And, and, and again, that's not something we do always. We, we share Jesus with strangers. So we're certainly not going to be in their lives. Remember, Paul said that one one uh, sows, one waters, another one is at the harvest. God, when people come to him, it's the Holy Spirit's responsibility to make sure that they're going to be Okay, it's the Holy Spirit who will take their hand and lead them and guide them. It doesn't mean that we have an obligation to be at their beck and call. It doesn't mean that we have an obligation to to give them money or to do anything for them. Um, What we do need to do is be available to them to tell them the truth, especially if they're struggling with things in this world. Uh, But but remember, most of the people that we're going to share Jesus with uh, aren't people that we're, we're accountable for or responsible for. God alone is the one who will uh, take them by the hand and lead them in the ways of truth. The Spirit, Jesus said, will, will lead people into truth. And our job is simply to declare the message. You know, Alan, one of the things that I've used in the past um, um, to, to explain this uh, is uh, my experience growing up. You know, I grew up, obviously, I'm pretty old. And uh, I was always a newspaper junkie. I was a journalism major in college. But I mean, from the time I was eight, nine years old, uh, I would be waiting for the evening paper to be delivered. Uh, waiting for the evening paper. And um, uh, there were times when I was reading two and three newspapers a day. I just was interested. And in all of the years that I was reading newspapers, never once did a newspaper carrier, we had newspaper boys when I was a a kid, never once did they come knock on the door and say to me, well, you know, I deliver the paper here every day, I'm just 
checking in to make sure that you're reading it. That's not his job. His job was just to make sure it got to my house. That's our job with the gospel as well. So we again, we want to be compassionate. We want to be available to help people who will be helped. But that doesn't mean that we've got to lose ourselves in, in our walk with the Lord uh, to meet or to accommodate their every need. Good question, Alan. Thank you very, very much. Uh, well, we're inside two minutes now, so I am not going to answer another question. Let me remind you that Paula will be here tomorrow uh, live in studio, and we're going to have some of the, the young women who were um, involved in organizing and participating in the father-daughter dance. Um, Paula prayerfully thought that would be a great idea. I promise you're going to love the girls who are going to be here. Uh, and uh, so that's tomorrow. And obviously we'll still take phone calls and questions as well. Um, look up. Look up. Jesus is coming really, really soon. Um, thank you for tuning into the program. You have no idea um, what it means to us. It's a, a, an unbelievable opportunity. And remember, tell people about Jesus. That's our responsibility. When he comes back, we need to be in that place where people are hearing about him. We need to be able to say to them, follow me. If you follow me, you're going to end up with Jesus because I'm following him. And that would be a wonderful, wonderful opportunity. So praise the Lord. I pray that uh, you fall more in love with Jesus. Tonight here at Calvary Chapel, I'm going to be teaching sort of the introduction to the life of Elijah the prophet uh, in what promises to be a really, really great series of character studies on this really, really strange but effective servant of God. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. You've been listening to the Word to Stand Up for Life. Lord willing, we'll be back tomorrow at 4 o'clock on AM 630 The Word. We'll see you then. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapel's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4 And Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.